Wow, that's a tough act to follow. Good evening again, everyone, and thank you, team, for putting together this uh, Christmas celebration. Loved the virtual choir. Thank you for all who participated. Uh, so good. I, I don't know about you, but somehow I, I feel like I've needed Christmas more this year. <laughs> Haven't you? I mean, um, I, I love the message of Christmas. In three words, summed up, God came near. That's it. Three words. Or, or God got close, or God with us. I could do this all night, folks. It's, it's just an astounding thought. Years ago, a man wrote a love letter to the love of his life, and it went something like this. He said, I would do anything just to be with you. I would climb mountains. I'd hike through valleys. I'd cross oceans just to be with you. I would fight lions and tigers and bears just to be with you. And the letter kind of went on and on, and just at the end he wrote this, P.S., if it's not raining tomorrow, I'll come by and see you. <laughs> I, uh, it's like that song that the Proclaimers once sang, I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who walked 1,000 miles to fall down out your door. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I get tired just singing that song. But here's the thing, talk can be cheap, but, but God didn't just talk about coming to us here on planet Earth. 2,000 years ago, he made the long, long trip from the dazzling splendor of heaven to this, this dirty tennis ball of a planet. And when he, came, when, he, when he came to the manger in Bethlehem and in the gospel of, of Matthew, in, in the Christmas story we read, he was called by two names. Emmanuel, which means God with us, and he was called Jesus. Many of the names in the Bible that refer to our Lord are, are kind of serious and intense and a little bit up there. Uh, Son of God, the, the Lamb of God, the, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, the, the bright and morning star, the Alpha and Omega. <laughs> They're all great phrases that, that really seek to capture the uncapturable. The, the grandeur and greatness of God. And when it comes to it, no name really does him justice. But there's one name that seems to rise above all the rest. It reveals a side of him when, when recognized it's enough to make you fall on your face. It's not too small. It's not too, too grand. It's Jesus. In, in the Gospels, it's his most common name used almost 600 times, and a common name it was. Uh, Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua or Joshua or, or Jehoshua, all very familiar Old Testament names. There were at least five uh, high priests whose name were Jesus. Uh, there was uh, also the, the historian Joses Josephus refers to about 20 people who were named Jesus. There were other Jesuses mentioned actually in the New Testament, What's the point? Jesus' name could have been Joe. I mean, if Jesus came today, I, I suspect he'd be like an Ethan or, or a Noah or a Liam. Were he here today, it's, it's doubtful he'd distance himself with a lofty name like, you know, Reverend Holiness Angelic Divinity III. No, when God chose the name his son would carry, he chose a human name. He chose a name so, so typical that it would, you know, show up on, on every class list two or three times. The, uh, 
the word became flesh, John said. In other words, he was touchable and approachable and reachable. And what's more, he was ordinary. I mean, I mean, if he were here today, you probably wouldn't recognize him if he walked through the mall or came through your coffee shop. He wouldn't turn heads by his good looks or by his style or by the tech he wore. Uh, just call me Jesus, you can almost hear him say. Um, he was the kind of guy that you'd invite in, into your home to watch the hockey game, and he'd, he'd wrestle on the floor with your kids. Uh, he'd laugh at your jokes. He'd tell a few of his own. He'd doze on your couch. And when you spoke, he'd listen like he had all the time in the world. And one thing's for sure, you'd invite him back. Now, it's worth noting that those who knew him best remembered him as Jesus. The titles Jesus Christ and Lord Jesus are only seen six times. Those who walked with him remembered him not with a title or a designation, but with a name, Jesus. And people came to him. They, they came at night. They, they touched him as he walked through the street. Uh, they followed him around the sea. They invited him into their homes, and they laid their children at his feet. Why? Because he refused to be a statue in a cathedral or a priest in an elevated pulpit. He chose instead to be Jesus. As one author put it, there is not a hint of one person who was afraid to draw near to him. There were those who mocked him. There were those who were envious of him. There were those who misunderstood him. There were those who revered him. But there was not one person who considered him too holy, too divine, or too celestial to touch. And get this, there was not one person who was too reluctant to approach him for the fear of being rejected. I, I want you to remember that. Re remember that the next time that you find yourself amazed at your own failures. Or, or the, the next time accusations are kind of burning holes in your soul. Or, or those times when you think, could God really accept or love someone like me? all my stuff, with, with who I am, my baggage. R remember, as someone once said, it's, it's man who, you know, creates the distance. It's, it's Jesus who builds the bridge. So you've got this common name given to the Christ child, Jesus. By contrast, the name Emmanuel, which is mentioned twice by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, was not given to anyone else probably because it'd say more about that child than anyone would dare claim. It meant God with us. Matthew's whole uh, gospel is, you know, basically marked by this theme. It, at the very end, Jesus promises that he will be with his people to the end of the age. You know, lo, I am with you always, Jesus said to his friends. I, I'd suggest that you put these two names together and, and they really express the the meaning of the Christmas story. God is, is present with his people. He doesn't intervene from a distance, but is always active, looking for creative and unexpected ways to express his love towards us. In other words, God does not want to be a distant spectator to your life. God wants to get up close 
and personal, and he's closer than you think, and he's always looking for ways to show you his love. As I was thinking about that this week, I I couldn't help but remember a time uh, a couple of years ago, I had kind of a flashback. Angel and I had this amazing opportunity to do this biblical archaeological uh, bus tour of Greece and Turkey. It, It was unbelievable. You know, seeing some of the, the settings and cities and, and ruins of, of important Christian sites, historical sites. We walked on ancient Roman roads that they've uncovered, same roads that the Apostle Paul would have walked on. We saw the remains of, of the very first churches ever, the buildings. From Athens to, to Istanbul, it was awesome. And we made friends on our journey. We, we were uh, on our tour, many of them were, were Christian leaders as well. We, we spent a couple nights together in Istanbul. And, and if you can imagine, on the rooftop of our hotel, there was this gorgeous restaurant uh, that we ate a couple of meals in, our evening meals. Amazing views of the city and of, of the nearby mosques, these wonders of the world and, and the city lights. And by this part of the tour, we were kind of you know, walls had come down, we'd become, you know, genuine friends with our tour mates. And after this wonderful, exotic dinner, uh, looking out over the city, a few of us just kind of sat around chatting long into the night. And someone asked kind of a deep question. They asked, can you think of a moment where God's love became real to you? Mark he was our tour leader, and I love to make fun of him. He's a professor and a Bible scholar, but he spoke about growing up in a non-Christian home. He didn't really learn about faith at home, but he spoke of how he was seeking for something more in his life. And he studied science, and he found that the order and, and the beauty pointed, to, uh, you know, pointed away from an atheistic explanation of the world. And he talked about how he, God met him in books, And someone gave him a Bible, and and he began reading it, and he described to us how suddenly, in a moment, it all went from this head journey to his heart, this very personal, this very intimate knowledge that that God was speaking to him, and that God loved him. Teresa, she was a nurse from New Zealand. Teresa told us how when she lived in Spain for a while, she'd, she'd met a stranger in a Spanish church she was attending who who spoke such words of life into her, words that were so rich and so deep, even though Spanish was her second language, you know, it felt like a love letter to her from Jesus. And then my favorite story came from Ellen. Ellen is a Presbyterian pastor uh, from Texas, and she told us she was at a summer camp in her late teens, and they had a a jewelry workshop in which over the course of the week, she crafted a brooch for her grandmother. And, and when she finished it, she figured it was by far the best gift she'd ever given her grandma. It was a, a work of art that she'd crafted with care and with love. Years later, her grandma went into a care home and one of the caregivers had stolen jewelry from the seniors and this brooch was stolen. And and Ellen just felt heartsick about it. This was something that she had hoped to reclaim. She would have loved to have done so. And then her her grandmother, years later, passed away. And and about 15 years later, 
Ellen was visiting an antique mall on the other side of the world, the other side of the country, and she was wandering through the stalls and came to a table filled with jewelry, and there it was, her grandma's brooch. She knew it because she'd made it. It was one of a kind, and and she couldn't believe it. At this point, she would have paid any amount for it. She bought it back for $11, and and only after she told the uh, did, she, did she tell the seller how important it was? But for her, she knew that this was God showing her quite personally and intimately how much he loved her. I loved hearing those stories. God's love expressed in these kind of deep and personal ways. And, and I want you to hear this clearly tonight. That God coming in Jesus is God's love letter to you. You need to know this. He's, Jesus is God's love letter addressed specifically to you. There, there's all kinds of reasons why our relationship with, with God can be strained. It can be strained because of our, our brokenness, our, our pride, our unbelief, our, our tendency to kind of just go our own way or do things our own way. Uh, And like a a lot of broken relationships, our relationship with God could have just stayed stuck. But somehow our being stuck, our being cut off or, or disconnected from God's love was an intolerable idea to God. And so he came in Jesus, and in Jesus we see God's heart, we see his great love and compassion, we We see even in his name how approachable God is. Jesus, his name means God rescues or God saves. It turns out we all need rescuing. We all need God's help. Let me ask you just to conclude tonight, what does the name of Jesus mean to you now? Is he just the kind of founder of a major world religion, a historical figure? Um, is he just someone who, who you consider to be a good teacher? Or maybe he's someone you actually swear by? Or have you discovered, along with my friends in Istanbul and billions of others, that no one will love you like Jesus loves you? That, that no one has better plans or hopes or dreams for your life than him? No one believes in you like Jesus believes in you. This, this Christmas has been so hard. I know it's been hard for so many. We're all kind of, right now, walking out some of the disappointments, right? I, I, I think all of us need to hear the words of Jesus this Christmas. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm God with you. You're not going through this pandemic alone. You're never alone. Lo, I am with you always, he says. I'm the Jesus who promised to be with you, and I'm approachable, and I'm reachable. I'll never turn you away. I I don't pretend to know what your journey with God has looked like, but I I don't know if you've discovered for yourself a personal connection, a personal relationship with Jesus. But I do know that the Christmas message is that Jesus Christ is God's 
love letter to you. And just maybe, just maybe this Christmas, where for the first time, this is the Christmas where for the first time or for the thousandth time, you open up that love letter for yourself and just discover how great it really is. Just call me Jesus, he says. Why don't we pray? So Jesus, I want to thank you for coming. We've needed you more than we could ever have dreamed of. And Jesus, I, I thank you that even in the, the name you were given, you communicated how much God has come near. And, and thank you, God, that you do not want to be just some distant spectator to our lives, but in Jesus, you're showing us how close you really want to be. You want to walk with us. You want to help us in, and comfort us through difficult days like 2020. And you want to guide and lead us, giving us your peace and your joy and your comfort and your hope. And you promise to be with us in the days ahead, whatever comes. Help us this Christmas to put our trust in you, to in invite you, Jesus, into our hearts, into our homes, and into our lives. We pray these things in your name. Amen.